0: Hey, good evening and welcome to another episode of the racing line podcast episode 49 tonight boys one step closer to the uh, illustrious half century half ton which is not no um, no mean feat tonight we're going to be discussing the recent race that took place uh, the early hours of this morning at spa franken um, with the first race back from our european winter break harry joe thanks for jumping on how are thank we? Thank you for joining.
1: Us, thank you for joining us, mate.
0: Thank you, thank you for for that. I don't know how to respond, <laughs> but um, we'll just jump straight into it. So uh, just, just being a binge, lord. Yeah, I know. Um, just for anyone who might not have watched the race at this stage, we'll give you the top three again. Um, it was Max Verstappen taking out the race win from as low as was it 18th place. 14th. I started 14th. 14th. Second place went to Sergio Perez, a dominant display by Red Bull all all, um, all afternoon, it has to be said. Third place went to Carlos Saints after starting on the pole. Um, <laughs> on the pole. On the pole. And then, um, And then mm. I can't remember, did, did Leclerc get back to fourth?
1: No, nah, he got a penalty
0: at the end. Oh, there we go. Um, boys, Spitting we jumped in straight into line. it. Did he? Yeah. I didn't yeah. see that
1: do you want to start there
0: uh okay yeah, let's start like this we'll start okay. with ferrari
1: red bull looked dominant the whole weekend mm. which was unsurprising max raced to the lead within eight laps and looked above everyone else including his teammate who looked pretty comfortable in the second, So that's saying a lot and then let's start with ferrari my favorite story of the day coming in fourth at 96 points behind the <laughs> championship leader in with a shout, and they had the audacity to go, you know what? We're cutting it on fine margins here. Let's let Alonso get close enough to challenge us on the last two laps in hopes of going for the fastest lap. Got caught behind Alonso, finally got around him on the last lap. Couldn't set the fastest lap because he hindered them. <laughs> and then found out Leclerc was speeding in the pit lane to get out ahead of Alonso. I mean, that is the most Ferrari thing I think I've heard this year, and we've heard a lot. I
0: thought the most Ferrari thing I'd heard all weekend was when they went to plan F. (laughs) (laughs) McLaren had plan G, apparently. Uh, Listen to to all these bloody plans for a 44-lap race. It just, anyway, befuddled me. The best thing I... uh,
1: Even uh, there was one stage in the race when um, uh, Leclerc's uh, strategist goes, do you want... uh, new softs or new mediums and Leclerc goes that's not my job that's your job you're my strategist
2: <laughs> I love his um his engineer because every time he asks a, ask a question he pref- he prefaces with question it's like-
1: you, you know, I honestly think that the, the Ferrari team hasn't worked out that their two drivers take a very different approach to the race whereas you have mm-hmm. um you have Saints who's very sort of hands on in sort of the strategy he provides goal, a lot
0: of feedback
1: and and I I was actually thinking about this I honestly believe if one of those two guys is going to win a championship for Ferrari with Ferrari in their current state it's going to be saints Mm. because I feel like more proactive what we're seeing is that yeah Charles has got the talent yeah he's fast enough but in terms of all throughout the year we've seen the Ferrari strategists continually continually get it wrong and, yeah, Science has had a worse season than, than um, uh, Leclerc. Because LeClerc. had a few more points. Not at the moment. Um, no,
2: nah, not yet. But, he's like, over
1: the, la- over the last – yeah, he's, he's definitely brought it down. And over the last couple races, we've seen an uptick in Science's form, but also we've seen on numerous occasions him having – I don't know if you'd call it good fortune or good races where he has made an active decision to mm. change the plan of his strategists – and I feel like with a team as emotional and probably not as game fit as Ferrari, the difference that needs to be made for them to actually challenge consistently for a championship is going to have to come from a driver who's thinking outside the box and I feel like he's a bit more proactive in the strategy call um, and understands sort of how the strategy is going to run for that car. Because at the moment, I can't see them. Like they're a hundred points off the championship now. Like it's absolutely insane. where at the start of the year, we're sort of lauding them and everything, and and this is like that's a massive gap.
2: At the end of the day, Ferrari's probably the biggest team in Formula One. Um, heads need to roll, surely. Because what,
1: what do you think of what do you, what do you think of that statement
0: about
2: I, like about I like-
1: Charles and science If you yeah, think um, about it um, outside what, this, the box,
2: this
0: is what I would think. Based on what you've just said, and I think it makes sense. I think if you were to have, if you needed a driver who could extract the most from from an underperforming car and you could pick between Carlos and Leclerc, based on the fact that there was no pressure on the team to perform because it's underperforming, you'd probably pick Leclerc because he's got a little bit more talent to make something happen in a car that isn't performing. If you had a good car, however, that was... There or thereabouts, not thereabouts, there. If you had a good car that was there, and you just needed someone who could get in the car and e- extract the most from it every week, not, you know, uh, oversend it, for use of a better word. Even though we did see two races early in this year where where um, science did make some some pretty ordinary mistakes, I would say that science is the guy you want. For those reasons, because I think he's not going to overdrive the car. He knows the limit. He reaches the limit. Um, and he doesn't traditionally make a lot of mistakes. And also in a moment where you need a little bit of decision or decisiveness, he gives you that. And I think from a strategy point of view, one thing that seems a little bit you know, interesting when you look at the dynamic between the two drivers and their engineers, the proactivity of Carlos makes it a lot easier for, is strategist to make a decision, whereas there's a lot more back and forth with Leclerc. Do you want to do this? Do you want to do that? And that obviously is going to have to um, distract him. And when we look back at the race at Paul Ricard, you know, the conversations going on during, like, like we we spoke about the conversation between the two of them is going on during a on-track battle. So it's kind of to the point where it's where it's too much. Um, But I do like that point, Joe. I I agree with it. And if you were to, sorry, if you were to even look back at the time he was at McLaren, you'd have to say between himself and Lando, I think I said this a couple of weeks ago, Lando probably had a little bit extra qualifying pace and a little bit more natural flamboyance and talent. But if you want to take the candidate who's going to string together the most consistent season, um, it has to be Carlos.
2: I, don't know. Like I get all that, and that's, you know, I agree. Carlos is the driver you want for that reason. But when you're a Ferrari, mm. the biggest team in Formula 1, you should have people in place that can make those decisions regardless mm. of, do you know what I mean? Like, you don't hear any other team having these issues over the radio. Yeah. It's only Ferrari. Mm. I, is, so, is I don't it, understand how it happens.
1: Is it the, um, like, I feel like if, even if Ferrari maintains second position in the championship this year, I feel like, Definitely, a change is needed at the head of that team. I think Bernardo is done, um, but especially if if they don't keep second in the championship, I think it's I think it's a certainty if Mercedes was to somehow somehow um, overtake them. Do you in think? Sa- and like, like, even if you look at it, like we we hear a lot of words from Toto and from Horner, like when they're never not in the spotlight on, on any given week and they're always giving their opinions. Bonotto is is definitely a different character and I wouldn't say he's, he comes across as like weak, but you definitely don't hear as much from him. But I do think that team especially needs someone to come in and really strip the whole team of um, all anyone in that team who's, who's making strategy strip them and try and get in some of the best people possible because you've got the money, you know?
0: But, but, you know, in saying that, that isn't really the Ferrari way. But they, it's, they, Okay. It,
1: the Ferrari way doesn't work.
0: Okay. Well, I'll say this to you. <laughs> I think what we're seeing this year is the snowballing of pressure because I think they're at a point now where they realize they're making mistakes. The media is talking about it. So they're extra conscious of the mistakes they're making and it's Actually, affecting their ability to make decisions in the race. I don't think the issue is Bonotto. Maybe the strategists and things like that. Then, I'm yes, saying, you could try to bring someone I'm, in.
1: I'm not saying he's, he's the problem. The buck stops with him. Though. He, yeah, he is leading that team. The buck team.
0: does stop. So, so, who comes in at this stage that does a better job than him? But
1: In terms of leading the team? Yeah. I mean, realistically, it's not even like a, a, a thing of a river bene. I mean, they could easily think outside of the box and, and I think bring in some, you know, um, like good people. Even the only something-
0: person who I think would go into that team right now and be like a decisive influence for them is working for the FIA and it's Domenicali. Bring him back, he's got a bit more mongrel to him.
1: They definitely have a, the money to do something like that though.
0: He's got he's done a really good job since he left Ferrari, you know, bringing Lamborghini in any bringing them up in every aspect of their their motorsport endeavors. Um, but I don't really think the issue is um is Bonotto, and I don't think getting rid of him is actually going to solve this. If you look at them over his time, he's definitely take them to taken them to a more productive place as a team. So in that regard, I don't really see an issue there. I think the, probably the bigger thing is they probably need to bring in a technical director who's going to sit below in, in a similar way to how Seidel operates underneath Zach Brown, who's got that engineering now, even though Bonotto technically does have that, but who can focus more, mm, but who can focus more specifically on that particular aspect. Like it's, it's it's tough, but I think it's a compounding issue. The reality of it is.
1: I feel like for Friday, the reality is their car is good enough to win on certain weekends. When no one's – like, yeah, this weekend they looked definitely a cut underneath Red Bull, but that's, that swings and roundabouts over a season. What I think is unacceptable is that um, realistically, on their, on their good weekends, they might snag a win or they'll put it in the fence or they'll hamper themselves somehow with a bad strategy call. And a lot of it is, is bad strategy call. And, yeah, you can say – and we've been saying, oh, they're not match fit. Oh, they're not match fit. Dude, we're halfway through – we're more than halfway through a season. Yeah. You have – like now, there's no excuses. So, you're. I understand what you're saying. Yeah, Bernardo's probably led their engineering team to a pretty good feat with this car this year, I understand, all that. All right, we'll leave him to the engineering. But bring in someone who's going to make decisions with the strategists, bring in competent people to actually make strategy calls. Like, it's it's – I feel like it's such a big point because we've never seen a big team have this many questionable mistakes.
2: Well, we have, and it was Ferrari.
1: Yeah. Oh. I mean, like, we've had Red Bull and Mercedes at the front mm. for so long now. It's sort of, I don't know, it's just probably putting a bigger a bigger highlight on the fact that they've been so good for so long. We're probably just not used to it.
2: Mm. Yeah, I don't know. There's well, a lot of issues in that team, but... You know, where do you start moving moving on from ferrari then
0: what did you boys make of the um spectacle of the race because going into the winter break we were kind of dropping over the over getting back to spa with uh, actually having a race this year with these new regulations we'd seen that overtaking was up particularly at the traditional race tracks that we were at and then we got to this race, and it was a little bit of a... Um,
1: the be-downer?
0: Yeah, a bit of a soggy loaf.
2: <laughs> I think half the issue, I think you you guys said it before we started, soggy loaf, um, was the DRS zones so are too big. The back straight is massive. There's no DRS there. So we saw a bit of overtaking, but there wasn't a lot. Um, that Williams, freaking hell. Even with DRS, they couldn't pass it. So it's it a lean was, eight. I think, before Sleep. the Hall's ass, before man. the end of the race i think there was six cars behind yeah. albon it was like from yeah. first to 16th they were all within the drs and they just couldn't yeah. get past him so i think that didn't help either but the track itself is amazing um i just don't know i think maybe the regs have worked a little bit too good with this track where they're able to follow throughout the whole the whole thing i don't know
1: i asked myself this question while i was watching the race i was saying i, I said if i was a driver, and there was such an effective DRS zone on that track, and you had it every lap. Where if you got close enough, you could, you literally were past the car in front of you, probably twenty five percent down the straight. Why would you then, throughout the rest of the lap, contemplate pulling a risky move hmm. if you have if you have such a layup once a lap if you if you're in position? Hmm. Um, I mean, we discussed it. Okay, at the start of the season about the um, the DRS zones, I think it was in Jeddah. Um, and we, or was it Baku? And we said, if you move the DRS zone halfway up the straight, at least the driver behind then has to follow close. And, and then, make a move in and the braking zone. make a move in the braking zone, which is where you want to see them made. And I feel like that, would again, would have worked really well on a track like Spa. And you could have put one DRS zone on even the back straight and done the same thing. And it would have probably helped. Mm. Um, but yeah, like if you think about it, there is no incentive for a driver to try and do a risky move on that track because within every two minutes you got, you, you've, you've got a layup. And even if, if, if you then um, pulled a risky move and you didn't pull it off or you had an accident or you ran wide and lost positions, you'd probably have the same questions being asked of you by the team. And it would be totally understandable. So I I feel like the 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 way the way that they utilize the DRS zones on on that track especially which is an amazing track but you didn't you don't give the drivers even a real option to 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 challenge because you're you're giving them such a easy layup once a lap and I I, think, don't, I, I don't begrudge the drivers that's a thing
0: I don't know for me the biggest Problem with it is just the optics, because the, this is the most prestigious category of racing in the world, and yet we are seeing overtakes that look. And I this I don't say this like to be jokingly. It's almost back It's to comical, it. but it looks like Mario Kart. Yeah. it looks like the boost Verstappen that's being did. yeah the boost that's being generated. But you know, Verstappen did, but then it was like by the end of that that main straight, not the main straight, the, what's it called? Not the Sun. The, um, what's the main C- straight? The Camel
2: straight, whatever Camel
0: straight. At the well, end of the Camel, oh, like overtakes were being done, people will be able to move back in, set up for the, like it just, it just looks so bad to the point where I was thinking, if you had a race that was professional mm-hmm. and there was half as many overtakes, a quarter of the overtakes, but the overtakes were, high quality. They were demanding. You saw the skill in the drivers. You saw the risk that was associated with making the moves, the quality in and of itself makes the race more engaging. And the challenge of making a pass of- makes the race engaging as well, It's not so much just the pass. It's also got to be the anticipation, the co- the closing in getting there. And then obviously then having the ability to make the move. Whereas now, it's literally, all beans get through O Rouge and then bang, free to make your move.
2: The more and more I think about it, the more and more I watch Indy. I think push the passes is, is the way forward. To be honest, I don't know if they'll ever do it, but each driver has, you know, their two minutes or whatever it is throughout the race, and they use it where they want. And I think that would negate some of these issues that we're seeing with DRS because it's every lap. We're seeing even, the same thing happen even, on the same part of the but track. But you
1: don't even need realistic. You, you don't even need a DRS, a, a a push to pass system in Formula One. Just need like DRS and let
0: them use it whenever they want. N-
1: not even. Like you just but, you, you have no DRS, have no push to pass. Make the cars somewhat skinnier and smaller, smaller footprint, and then using we've seen that these cars are able to follow um, each other. Let someone actually try a dive bomb. I haven't seen a good dive bombs, what, like without DRS assistance for years now. Unless it's like the some first lap shenanigans, mm. no one, no one has an incentive to, to, to send it on a corner that on, on a straight or some part of track that doesn't have DRS. Mm. I mean, everyone was saying like, oh, Hamilton made a mistake on that first lap against Alonso. At least we saw some, somewhat, you know, um, natural. An attempt- an attempt to make a pass that wasn't artificial, and yeah, sometimes these things go wrong. And I don't, I don't even really blame either of them because Alonso was—it's just the racing it's Yeah, it was, and and I was happy at least that Hamilton was trying something. Alonso gave him all the room he could, and yes, yeah, sometimes shit happens. And I wouldn't, I would say that's probably a bad corner to hang around the outside on, but at least in on the first lap we got some form of a, trying to pass. But other than that, it was all just wait for the DRS zone, wait for the DRS. It was like clockwork. Every lap until the people got too it far It was apart. a
2: dog boring race. Best race. part of the race for me was, was that they
1: renewed it for next year.
2: That yeah, that's just great news. But also, um, what was it, Fernando? On the radio this guy <laughs> doesn't know how to he only knows how to race from first and finish first oh, i feel man. that's something um,
1: i feel like that's um, some that's, that's a lot of Fernando Alonso um, bias, yeah going
0: on over there but you, talk, you, maybe, you want to talk about someone that actually has the the goal to make moves on the outside and ma- do the dive bombs and all that kind of stuff that's probably the guy that you want to look
2: at and, um, but um how how good and i don't even know if he, he meant to look this good max like he went from 14th to ninth on the first lap. And then by, what was it, lap 10 or 12, he was in first and pulled 20 seconds on his teammate over the race distance. Like that yeah. is ridiculous.
1: He looked God to you. Like he really he really did look a cut above everyone else for the whole weekend. Um, I mean, somewhat it makes everyone else look worse, but I mean, we've seen like drivers have their day. And uh, I, th- I think like at this moment in time, it can't be disputed that he's probably the best driver on the on, on the grid. Um, and yeah, I know that people will say Hamilton, Hamilton. And you know what? Maybe if he had the same car, we'd definitely get an answer. But at this moment in time, there looks like there's no stopping this guy. Like at all. Do,
0: Re- Do Red Bull have a situation now that's like similar to Hamilton slash Botas with Verstappen slash Perez? And we might see... I know, feel like I, I feel an like extension got... of that relation of that partnership purely based on Perez's ability to finish in second or to maximise his weekend, but at the same time, Pose wrote no real threat to Verstappen because that something, makes for some boring racing.
2: This is something I wanted to discuss a bit later on with my page of notes, hmm. but just as a quick... Uh, Let's
0: jump into it then, H. Go for it.
2: Well, I wanted to talk about DR and McLaren and it kind of leads oh. into that. But yeah. with with this topic, I kind of, Checo's coming second. Checo's doing what he needs to do. But is he the rear gunner that Red Bull need if next year Mercedes come back and they're strong? If Ferrari come back and they're strong, is Checo going to be able to be that second driver that they, that I think, they need? I be, think, yeah, I don't know. I think 20 Checo, seconds over, over a lap distance is huge.
1: Yeah, but I, I feel like number one, Spire is a track that can, it can really get ugly because of just the nature of the track. Um, but like it, what we've seen over the year, I think is more that on his day, Checo can win races and then off his day, if he's coming in second, that's all the team needs. I feel like I, I I think Checo over his career has shown that he's, pro- he's probably a better driver than Botas. And um, I think he can definitely challenge Max on Max's off days. More than Botas could ever challenge um, Hamilton, and realistically, uh, Mercedes uh, Red Bull's going to need a driver like that who who can pick up wins on the days where Max can't, and can get second in that car on days that, you know, Max is trying to extend his championship championship push, and I mean, that's probably what that's why they've extended him because they've seen that already. And, yeah, he was 20 seconds behind, but that's still 20 points for Red Bull and he's still second in the championship, right. which mm. if you had said that at the start of the year, oh, it's going to be Red Bull 1-2 this season, and we're like, oh, no, it's going to be Max versus Charles. Uh, Hamilton might get in there. It's like, no, nah, it's, it's a comfortable Red Bull 1-2. It's not even close. It's a comfortable 1-2. And that's just going to get bigger over the season until we get to the end. So if, if, if mm. Checo's coming second in the championship, I mean, realistically, what more can you ask for?
0: Mm.
2: True. Yeah, my thing is, I guess if they have stronger competition, is he going to be able to? Who match it? from who? No, I'm saying moment- next year when they come back. Do you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, but
1: like- at the moment, that the, next year's yeah. car is going to be built off this year's car. I feel like any momentum that Red Bull get this year, they'll stop developing or using the money on this year's car, and next year will just be better. They're in, a, they're in a, they're in an eerily similar position. I feel like that Mercedes was on a couple of years ago. And if Mercedes don't bring something special over the off season, it's probably just gonna happen again. That's 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 scary, but that's like
0: mm, oh, interesting. H then, hmm. sorry. Let's jump into your <laughs> yeah, monologue. Look, You're yeah. well prepared.
2: Look, I um you know, we haven't really had it we haven't talked since the confirmation of McLaren and Daniel parting ways. Um I've been think I've been spending a lot of time thinking about it. Um I guess, how do I feel? Uh, I'm in two minds. As an organisation, I can see why McLaren did what they did, um, why they felt they needed to make the change. Danny Rick has struggled. You know, I'm his biggest fan. I'll back him till till he finishes up. Um, But he's been super inconsistent. And even though he's got them a win, um, you know, his consistency over the two years that he's been there has been pretty poor. Um, I do think that DR has handled this really professionally um you know he still seems to be a bit of a team player he's still you know partying the he's towing the team line whatever it is um i think you can put the lack of performance at the feet of both mclaren and daniel though i think they haven't really helped him to get comfortable with the car i guess the way the development's gone and it's just boggles my mind considering they paid him, what, $21 million a year or something to um, to race for the team, and they poached him from Renault. Mm. Um, so I, I think McLaren have handled this pretty poorly as an organization, and I am worried about Oscar going there next year if that does get confirmed, which I think we'll get a confirmation over the next day or two because the contract should be looked at by the contract recognition board, I think it was today. Um, so we'll see if that is confirmed or not. But I guess looking at this objectively, um, this move is probably the right thing for both. You know, um, I think both McLaren and DR, you know, when, when he moved there, we all thought this was going to be a match made in heaven. You know, McLaren, Zach Brown had turned the perception of McLaren from this serious organisation to a more fun one. DR seemed the perfect driver to go along Lando. We thought they were both going to be quick, challenging for wins, etc. Um, sometimes things like this doesn't happen. But I guess my question is, where do you guys think DR ends up? For me, I think Alpine is the best option. I know we've heard rumours of Williams, Haas, Alfa Romeo, i have even heard. He replaces Joe at the end of the year and there's a team of Bottas and Ricciardo. Um, but putting my tinfoil hat on, conspiracy theory hat (laughs) McLaren's paying him £21 million to finish up early right if you're Alpine or even Red Bull now bear with me don't jump in (laughs) alright if you're Alpine or Red Bull would you not be looking at Danny Rick going we can pay this guy a million dollars for a year he's getting his money from McLaren Checo as I said before isn't really performing that well Compared to Max, as we know, all Red Bull drivers uh, between the two teams are on a Red Bull contract. They can move them around as they please. Would it not make sense for either of them? And I know, I think he's going to Alpine, but can you see Red Bull pulling a Swifty and pulling him in, putting him in the top team and moving Checo back? Um, I know he, he will get beaten by Max, but you, are you telling me that Daniel won't be challenging for those wins when Max isn't? and i i can't see him losing 20 seconds to max in a grand prix at spa i can that's you can i can not he,
0: he uh
1: he's losing 20 seconds to lando to lando right?
0: yeah I mean, what like today he looked no better. just like okay hey, he finished behind lando and lando started from freaking 19th today
2: yeah but did you he
0: had the I, I he had his, a different wing strategy yeah his strategy wasn't as um I'll say that his strategy wasn't as what's good, but him starting from from 10th and Lando starting from 19th. I mean, still, uh, let, hey. me, let me say what I think from your point of view. I think if he doesn't go to Red Bull, based on, like everyone's saying Alpine, right? Hmm. But from my point of view, based on what he said in the Thursday interview where he spoke about his situation, yeah. I'm more inclined to say that we won't see him in F1 next year if he's not in one of the big teams.
2: There's another rumor going around, but I'll let you go.
0: Because um, he seems very at peace with the prospect that unless he gets into a team that's going to actually be challenging for racing, he's happy to wait. And I feel like if he was going to wait, he's going to enjoy being away from the sport, the pressure, the limelight. Um, So I... I, the thing like the thing that I do like about your point is obviously that you're drawing a relation to Red Bull. Whether Red Bull would do it is another thing. Whether you think he's actually an upgrade from Perez is a pretty interesting conversation in and of itself. Um, but I'm more inclined to think that he won't be in Formula 1 next year.
2: So the other rumour going around, and I don't know if you, either of you two have heard it. I've heard it on a few things is that Toto's lined him up to replace Lewis in 24. Yeah, we'll see. That interests me.
1: In 24?
0: Um,
2: yeah, so he takes a year out. Lewis retires at the end of next year. And partner Ricardo partners Russell in 24.
0: Why that works for me is because at this stage, Mercedes don't really have... They've got Ocon technically, but at this stage, they don't really have any... J- development drivers that they could throw in. Um, but that is an interesting... You know, I'll be honest with you. I reckon that if that was in the pipeline and based on Lewis Hamilton's just general demeanour this year, I reckon 2023 mm. could be a realistic possibility.
2: What the next question,
0: I, Listen, based on how McLaren is going, uh, Mercedes is going right now, and based on... The rhetoric that's been coming out of Hamilton for the last two or three races, maybe not the last two or three races because he had a couple of good races before the break. Oh. But if, the, if that car continues to be in no man's land by the end of this year, he will not be racing next year.
1: Who, Lewis? Yeah. You're, you're fucking smoking crack. There is no <laughs> way. There is no <laughs> There is no way Lewis isn't racing next year. There's no way. No way.
0: If the car's, Lewis, if the car's in Lewis, no man's land, Lewis
1: is racing next year. But uh, listen, there is no way Lewis, if that time car... world champion, is going to bow out after a year like this. After the sixteen. yes, this, this yes, yes, he will yes. get the promise of a better car next year, and he might leave next year early. But there Joseph, is no way he's Formula going
0: out. One. Formula One is filled with drivers who have had broke have had promises made to them. Ricardo is an example. Alonso's an example. Veto's an example. The sport is littered with unfulfilled and promises. Those,
1: and all those guys have la, have stayed in the sport after more than one bad year to reclaim their former glory. They've all done it. So there is no way no, Lewis No, no. to is say that there's to, no way
0: to say that there's right, no way there he's,
1: is He's there is maybe a 1% chance that he's not there next year. I
0: like, I reckon, what,
1: you're, I like what you're saying, Harry. I reckon in there's terms a 50% that. chance that he's not no there No way, year. man. You're, you're, no, man.
0: So to, be, to, to, be, to be honest, there was conversations at the start of this year.
1: No, there was, was just Lewis speculating for a couple of months before the season started. Yeah, okay. But once and, then the goes,
0: and then he goes into it and is like, man – this car's not even as close as I thought it was going to be. What am I doing here? I'm an eight-time world champion. I've made all the money in the world. I don't need to be doing this. I want to make my music. I want to wear pink clothes with freaking oh, so bat, you're bat just, masks. Now you're,
1: letting, now you're letting your bias come <laughs> no,
0: in. No, I honestly think genuinely that if that car continues to, to, to be in this, no man's land, terms. if that car continues to be in no man's land, what's he got left to prove?
1: But it's not in no man's Fact. land. There is a it there is. is there is a chance that at a shorter track, and a tighter track, that car on the right circumstances probably has more of a chance, some, especially in the wet, than winning a race than a Ferrari.
0: So, but let's be and honest about Lewis Hamilton right on, now. He's not to, there. He's not racing anymore for race wins. He's, he's not. Got, he's got the. He's got outright poles. He's got outright wins. He's racing for championships. And if he, this car. Let me finish. If this car is not going to give him a championship, and it doesn't look like it's going to give him a championship next year, right? Then I don't think he's got. I don't think he'll have the desire to keep just coming sixth. We'll, we'll, he's agree, got- to
1: di- we'll agree to disagree. Mm. But I feel like by the end of this year, that car will be the second best car in the grid because we are seeing it slowly move up, regardless of what you say. And no, I'm pretty sure is- this weekend. If they, yeah, they they were, but they still weren't that far off Ferrari, even in their pretty shit stage. And if I, if there was any team that I would say give this team one more off season, to develop or to develop this car, into a better state, I'm gonna give it to the boys from Brackley because they have done it time and time uh, and Toto time said, again.
0: I think it was during the week that they're kind of given up on this concept That's and are fine. going new next fine. year.
1: Trust me, by next year, that car will be fine. 100%. That car will be fine.
0: Well, we've kind of digressed a little bit, but to get back on what you were saying, I
1: quickly want to touch on on Danny Rick Mm. before Anthony made me interject. (laughs) If you, I had a, I, I was thinking like in some alternate reality, Danny Rick has self sabotaged his McLaren season to get back to Alpine because. It's so much better. It's so much better than it is. It was startling how much better that Alpine was than the McLaren this weekend. I mean, Mm -hmm. it makes sense at the moment Alpine have obviously the whole Piastri Piastri drama going on, but then also in the background, they have Jack Doohan in F2 who's putting together a very good rookie season. And, Give him one more season in F two, probably just to hone his skills and give him a good shot at champion uh, at a championship run, which is what you would want from your academy driver. So we've got a one year window to fill. Alonso's flown the coupe. We need someone who is going to come in for one year, prove themselves again, and then we'll, and then Ocon's also on a one got one year left in his contract. We're bringing in Jack Dylan, say. 2025 or 2024 that will be sorry. Jack Dewan's coming in 2024, and whoever's the best driver out of Danny Rick and Ocon will be his teammate and the other one will be gone. Because I feel like if you if you think about it, the stakes for that are so low, you bring in a driver who has a proven record with the team, has a lot to prove. We've seen we we see that the car is more than capable of being top of the midfield. And it's it's a win win situation for everyone. They're gonna get a motivated Danny Ricardo. Um, Daniel Ricciardo is going to want to prove himself, obviously. And they can. he's probably going to be willing to sign a one-year contract, probably on Any, low money.
0: The only other issue is there's, there was chatter this week that um, Alpine had also been in contact
2: with Pierre Gasly.
0: That's not
1: happening. He's staying at Red Bull. He's but staying at Red Bull. These contracts have been signed, man.
2: I can't, I can't see that happening, A, because Why? Red Bull won't want to let him go. He's,
1: but his contract is signed.
2: No, that's what I'm saying. I can't see oh, you yeah, leaving yeah. to go to Alpine. Yeah, yeah. And also, Ocon and Gasly, fucking hate each other. Yeah, so that's not that's gonna mess up the team dynamic big time. But also, like, and that'd be the most surrendering team in the world. All surrendering. French. Oh, surrendering! I got to. Because yeah, oh. the French
1: surrender. <laughs> Realistically, yeah.
2: yeah, I can't see that. If after. you
1: if if you think about what Ren uh, what Renault Alpine has on the on the table, they have. N- with this whole piastri thing happening no one there to fill in unless they were to go for vettel which i'd say was even a worse move than ricardo but i feel like what what harry was saying about ricardo if they're, if if mercedes was looking to get danny ricci in 2024 there is no way he's coming they're going to bring him in after the years he's had at mclaren without some form of pro, like proof of promise that he's on an upward trend so even if it was a one year contract with Alpine to springboard that in in a you know you know what de- definitely a better car than he's in a, in at McLaren it honestly just makes sense and you can imagine if Daniel Rick got into that Alpine and every week was beating the McLarens there would be no bigger fuck you from him that we could see every week. Because like like uh, Harry was saying, yeah, he hasn't been good enough this year. He hasn't been consistent enough this year. But who are we kidding? That car has not been good enough or consistent enough this year either. And I, I've, I've been saying it all year. And yes, Lando has been bringing out the best out of that car. But even still, the promise of what we're hearing at the start of the year cannot be forgotten. These guys have been talking mad shit for two or three years and we've just been drinking that Kool-Aid, going, they're coming back. They're coming back. And guess what? They ain't got shit except one win at Monza that Danny Rick delivered. So I'm not going to listen to these McLaren fanboys tell me how shit he's been anymore, how good Lando is, because Lando didn't get points this weekend either, couldn't get past the fucking Williams on that straight. I'm done. No one could get past the Williams. See, you just make yourself sound like an idiot. But Lando couldn't either. So guess what? Go redesign the car bring back a better car that can actually challenge for wins because we're, we're giving Ferrari such a hard time about their lack of performance. And McLaren is in the exact same boat because last year we were talking about how, many, how big their steps had been. They're coming forward. They've got Seidel at the, at the helm. He's a, he's a G. If you think about all these things we, we said at the start of the year about McLaren, nothing has come to pass. And they're going backwards quicker than they went forwards last year. Alpine is totally going to take them by the end of the year. Their car is miles ahead of it. And guess what? When Danny Rick's there next year, he is going to wipe the floor. And I'm done. I'm sick you of listening sound, to this shit. You I'm sick of sound, it.
0: Nah, Are you done? You I'm sick of it. So oh, ignorant, bro. Because you, you, know you, you,
1: right? you guys are McLaren fans. And you guys no. are sugarcoating it all the no. time. You love Lando. No. This, You've is, been the off since this joined is the in. story. This is the story. Guess what? Nothing's just... happening Enough. at all. I'm, I'm, with, I'm just... with Joey. Your season is done.
2: I'm, no, I'm with Joey on the whole. Danny Rick's going to be overtaking that McLaren next year. I'm a McLaren it's... fan. I want to see McLaren do well also because fucking Piastri's going there next year. And obviously we're going to be supporting no. Piastri. Poor
1: Piastri has made a big mistake. He's made a big. You mistake. Know,
2: Joe, 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 Joe. No, it's Listen done. Here. Your season no, is no, done. No, no, it's done. It's done. But guess the
0: argument. Just to reiterate, you. But you haven't had a positive not moment. Not listening, boy. No, I'm not not listening. I'm listening. Listen sick here. Of it. The argument has not argument. been. The argument has not been that the car was good. We've been saying all year that the car's underperforming. Just to clarify, for you. The point that has been made all year is that in relation to his teammate. He has underperformed, and his teammate yeah, is the only he, person when, who we can compare him to. It was never about the broken promises of what McLaren was I'm supposed to be, because he was still underperforming. No, it, Lando it consistently is, all it's, year.
1: It's definitely about the underpromises as well. Shut because, up! Done,
0: done, done. See, see this moving on. Your, this moving is your bias on.
1: coming in now. Not this biased. is all. This is all your bias. Joseph, you can't see. You're Joe, not seeing clearly through the trees, mate.
0: Joseph. Your bias for Ricardo
1: now? No, it's not my bias for Ricardo. Obvious. No, no one. Your
2: hate for Ricardo. No,
1: no No. one is mentioned. This this week was the first time anyone's actually mentioned, and it was Vettel has actually mentioned that the car that. Oh yeah, great!
0: Because we're listening to the other washed-up driver in the on the field. Yeah, that makes sense. You've just you've,
1: you've just confirmed my bias. Why? Because McLaren is getting worse no, this year. Do you know
0: why, Joe? Because this is my whole thing about life, right? No, it's if not you, about life. You, it's about no, it the McLaren
1: car and its no. inability to perform, its inability to overtake. And Joe, of, guess you can what? Still, Maybe Danny Rick isn't vibing with that car, but it's because it's a piece of shit. And some, <laughs> week, some weeks it works and some weeks it doesn't. And, guess what? and guess what? At the start your, of the year, it looked pretty close to the
0: Alpine, but no, now it looks done? nothing
1: like it. No, because no, you, you keep firing me up. Because I'm sick of the it.
0: The argument has never, be- like, you keep. This is your default mechanism is to revert back to the car underperforming. We have If spoken was fi- close to the front, I'd agree man, with you. No, it's got nothing to do with where they're finishing in relation to the rest of the field. It is all about how they're finishing in relation to each other. For years, we spoke about how good George Russell was. From his exploits in an underperforming car so to say that you can't garner some kind of level of ability in an underperforming car because the car isn't doing as well as it should is absolute rubbish i'm and not, you have, I'm not and disputing you keep, that no just let me finish and you keep saying that you you were blaming ricardo but the car's been rubbish we've been blaming ricardo but they promised him this and they've fallen back all year inside or was this and yada, yada, yada that the reality is you take away all the rubbish, and you take away all the emotion. He's racing Lando. He's significantly underperformed with, uh, against him over the last 18 months. Significantly, okay. And you can say that when he goes to a better car next year, he'll be overtaking the McLaren. That might be the case. But if he's still getting wiped by Ocon next year in the same way that Lando is now, then it still tells that you happened. where he's at. It might, happen. might happen. Back. It might happen. It won't happen. Um, it won't happen. But let's move want, on. Let's I'm move gonna, on. We're not gonna keep going.
1: I'm gonna agree to disagree.
0: So so the next the next talking point that um kind of came to me last night because there wasn't a whole lot else to do when I was watching that race. Um, and this is a little bit out of left field, but Jamie Chadwick from the W Series, the women's series, has dominated and wiped the floor with the championship for the previous two years. And this year, I think in eight races, has won seven and finished second once. Okay. At the start of the year, this girl, woman, um, couldn't find a seat in F driver, that's better, couldn't find a seat in F2. So she had to return to the W Series this year um, for seat time. Now, the FIA made this big hullabaloo about starting the W Series to promote female racing and to get more female drivers to hopefully kind of get to the dream of racing in Formula One. And yet, someone who has completely wiped the floor with the championship can't even find her way into a Formula 2 seat. So my point is, if the FIA is serious about promoting avenues to get young female races into Formula 1, well then this token gesture of having the W series and starting the W series needs to be more than just that. There needs to be some level of infrastructure put into place that allows dominant races from F2, or oh, sorry, from d- the W series to get into a decent F2 team, whether it's through some connection with a pre-existing team and kind of, maybe they have a seat or two seats that, you know, these drivers from the W series can get into just so that they can cut their teeth with the next level of the championship. Now, if they're at that level and they're competitive, well then obviously good for them. We uh, They're able to kind of gauge themselves against the whole platform and the whole spectrum of uh, young drivers. And if they don't cut the mustard, well, then they can kind of go into other avenues of driving like we would see with F3 drivers and F2 drivers that just naturally don't cut the mustard as well. But I think to summarise this spiel, the W series is a good idea. It's it's very similar to what we see with regional racing series where countries and areas are trying to cultivate talent talent to get it to a particular Endpoint, point, which is formula one and the same thing, the same, you know, system applies with the W series, but rather than it being like a national thing, it's a agenda thing. But if that's going to be the case, and if you're going to provide this opportunity and you've got someone who within that series is dominating and deserves a chance to test herself yeah. at the next level, well then there needs to be a concerted effort to do that. Um, Yeah, that was my thought. I
1: think Jamie Chadwick is probably the best woman, the young woman talent we've probably seen in a long. It's hard to say because we haven't really seen anything like her before.
0: But But it's also the first time that we've got, rather than a woman who's got money who can get high in Formula in into the Formula categories. It's a category that pulls them all together, and you see. The, the best person is. Yeah, she's so. undoubtedly,
1: she's undoubtedly the, the best probably young woman driver we've got in motorsport. And even, I don't, I don't want to keep highlighting that she's the best young woman driver, we've seen her drive GT cars and she looks perfectly capable against um, good talent. So for me, realistically, what the W Series needs is a return on investment and that is seeing her go up against... The next um, sort of step of talent, and hopefully, she succeeds again because then that validates the whole concept of W series. Like realistically, that's, they need it to be they need it to be validated, and she's hmm. the perfect example, uh, perfect candidate. Well, that's the point. She, of, yeah. yeah, yeah. I, I would love, I would, I would love to see her given a scholarship into F two, funded by the FIA put her in a good put her in the best team
0: possible it should be it should be if women in if the i think it's called fia women in motorsport have kind of brought up this w series concept that there's got to be a next graduation step. yeah exactly there's got to be a graduation for or exactly the progression to the next step that's funded by them as well the only, to, to validate it or to at the very least provide the champion with an opportunity to to progress like i just think that's the such only a,
1: the only sort of hesitancy you can see with the whole concept is they're probably trying to really make sure whoever gets that first seat is going to do it justice because the fear would be if you have a champion from w series come in and get absolutely sh- shellacked it's not going to look good for the concept so i feel like that's probably where the hesitancy is but the, the thing i see of chadwick is that she is so much better She is so much better than everyone else. She's actually
0: out of place. She really
1: does. She, she really deserves a nice, like a a two-year contract in F two with a good team. One to get. I don't think she needs two years, but she she deserves two years. One to get acquainted, and then one to go for gold.
2: unless they promote her soon, or she moves into F two, whatever it is the series is going to be viewed as tokenistic. 100%. We're going to put all the females over here, but we're not going to give them a chance over here. And we're going to do that to keep them happy. If she's done well in GT, if she's done well in other categories, let's give her a seat.
1: She's done well in every category she's been in. And if they keep her in there too long, the W series isn't going to exist anymore because the, the women gender won't exist anymore, so they'll have to name it something else. So they need to move her... <laughs> So they need to move her up before that happens.
0: I just think they need to move her up because, because I understand Sorry, that. I went there. Listen, there's two, there's two, there's two trepidations right now. The first one is the point that you made that if she goes in there and gets shellacked, well, then it doesn't validate the W series, right? But at the same time, right now there isn't really a better candidate that, that you could ever put forward for that job, and I no, think she's that perfect. based on her, her domination of the series it's the right thing to do the other thing that Eve, I was doing a bit of research into it i think i might have read it 2 or 3 weeks ago to be honest with you and at this stage she herself wasn't sure whether you now this might sound wrong to some people but it's from it's her words not mine but she said that there's still questions about whether the female body can take the G. Can take the the G's and the and the forces of Formula One racing, and that's purely from a an um, anatomical, I don't know, from an from the anatomy point of view, from the from the physiological point of view, um, which is again something that I guess just has to be tested, and it can only be tested by the most um, by the best candidate, who most definitely is her. Realistically, though,
1: she probably has to do more gym work initially. But there's, I don't think there'd be any it's real
0: female astronauts, right? That's well, pretty there's high female G's. fighter pilots
2: now. So. Yeah,
1: like no, realistically, well, too, she, she might so. have to do more more work initially. But she'd definitely get to a stage where, once you're there and it's maintaining, she would most probably be be fine. Yeah, well, I, mean, I just yeah, I have so no get, yeah. I have no questions that she would. She's the top kind of comes across as a kind of person who's definitely would put the work in whatever needed to be done to put her best foot forward. Um, yeah. So in terms of like questioning that sort of an, on a, a anatomy level Physical, yeah. or even just her drive, because she seems to be really driven. No, nah, she's, yeah. I mean, I've got no issues with that. There's, I've There's never been a female driver in the last 10 years that has, seems to be more qualified realistically as well. I mean, they all speak well because they have to. They're in a man-dominated world, Mm. but she speaks well. She's got probably the best resume to back it up. And any sponsor, which is what the what what the sport is built on, if there's a if there's a successful woman driver, she's going to have the best sponsorship package you can find because every big company is going to yeah. But if if they go. She's racing, if, if, if it was to be said, she was racing in F2, right? On a, on, and, and it seemed that she had the right backing. She might not have much sponsorship now, but trust me, every big company would want to be involved in that journey if it was going to be made a reality. There is no question this, about this it. This
0: is the other thing. Like we've seen in, 100%. in WEC, Richard Mill, the, the watch manufacturer, sponsor an all-female team. They've done well. We've seen the Iron Lynx team have an all-female team, Iron Dames. They won, was it Spa or Le Mans? They won a race. They won won, won Spa. They won Spa. Huge race, all-female team. So, um, we've seen in IMSA the same thing. We saw it with Caterpillar sponsoring the team. Like, there are people that want to spend money on an initiative like it.
1: There was but, another another woman who won in IMSA this weekend. They won the double at Lime Rock, I'm pretty mm, sure, in the um mm, in, the Acura. in the Acura. but realistically, yeah. all the all everything that these teams have gotten is they've given these drivers time, yeah, time and reps. They've given them time. They've given them drives, and now it's paying dividends. And realistically, if if someone's not willing to give Jamie T- Chadwick time to home like. In the big leagues, that's that's probably this a
0: real is the indictment thing. of the this sport. This is the thing. The, the, the thing is, based on history, because it's you know she's won it twice and she still couldn't find a seat in Formula Two. There's obviously still some level of trepidation within the F two um, field about the integrity of the W, w- series. C- the only way to break that silo that's a teacher talk but to break the wall down essentially is to get her in f2 now if they're not if they're not going to bring her in from the inside well then the people that are investing running the w series buy a seat buy two seats put a team in there one of them can be your champion driver like she's give her two years or maybe this year you run one driver the next year you can run two and then you've got two years to keep cycling through if you want but if the if if the calls aren't coming from inside the f2 paddock, well then I think it's on the w series to say hey we've got a progression plan for you if you are on the FIA. dominating in this well it's the women in FIA that, that that part of the organization that are have you know developed the w series so you know there's, I think I just don't think there was a lot of forward thinking for it and unless they address it well then it just seems tokenistic um, it's kind of like, oh, you know, with the way that the world is going, we need to kind of show that we're we're doing something to promote female races. Fantastic. You've created the W Series. What next? Because it can't just be mm. you've got a chance to race. There's got to be, and, and it's, it's, it's the whole concept of um, equality of opportunity. If you're good enough and you've shown that you're good enough, give them the chance to progress. If they're then not good enough, sorry, you're not good enough but you've at least given them the opportunity, the option, to do so. Now, who's to say that if the W Series continues and they keep continuing with the process like that, as the category develops more steam, as it becomes more selective with the drivers that it chooses because the pool becomes bigger, well, then obviously there's going to be a greater filtration of talent that's eventually going to get into Formula 2. As that talent filtrates, we get to the point where you will eventually have someone who's competitive within that grid. But that can only happen once this process of graduation and, you know, giving more validation to this series um, takes place.
1: I, feel as well, I think one thing Jamie Chadwick says, I think, at the start of this year was she doesn't want to be in W Series anymore, not because um, she doesn't like the concept, but because she feels like she needs to go to the next level to actually keep honing her skills because she's at a level where, yeah, she's walking through the W series, but she's not actually making inroads into the skills that she still needs to develop to get to her dream, which would be Formula 1. So throwing her in the deep end somewhere and giving her that opportunity is going to help her in the long run develop those skills. It's going to give your series um, the validation that it needs um, and it's and, and that proof of concept. And realistically, it's going to give you the best shot you have at an F1 driver. Mm. Um, as like he, a listen, woman, she a, a doesn't even job.
0: need to win. If she just goes no, she in there con, and decent. is competitive, there yeah. are big names in Formula Two that are underperforming.
2: Yeah. You've got
0: someone who's the leader of the championship right now, who's been at it for a hell of a long time.
2: That's what I was going to so, say. There's drivers before, in there that have been in there, yeah.
0: there for years. Yeah. There's big names in there that. I wouldn't say have set the world alight since they've got in there either. So if she's in there and she's competitive, there or thereabouts, well, that's there in and of, of itself lies your val- validation. We don't yeah. need it to be winning. We just need it to be able to, you know, cut it with the, <laughs> use of big a better boys. phrase, cut it with the big boys. <laughs> so anyway, that was my little thought for the w Series and I think what it needs to do to, um,
2: to move that's, forward. That's, Is that's a good under- entry point. Is it a feed, like a, a pre-race to the formula one at any events or is yeah, it? Yeah, it is, it is. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, and it's essentially the, sa- the same technology as the F3 car. Mm. So
0: it's a, it's a female F3 champion. Right. So the next logical thing is to get them into an F2 car. And F2, what are you going to do? Yeah. Start a W F2 series. I don't think that would be.
1: No, they're just going to change the name of the F1 to M series. And then they have W series, and they eventually <laughs> have T series, B series, and just Joe, keep adding. <laughs> you're on shaky ground now, mate. Um, don't care. Not going anywhere.
0: All right, um, Joe. You had a point that you wanted to discuss tonight as well. What I did. Thinking?
1: I wanted. I want I wanted to raise one one point for my weekly ponderings, and I don't want it to sound ranty because I've. I feel like I've You've been. Rant- of that tonight. I've been. I've been ranty today, and I've I've been wound up, but. We had the news this self-wound, week. Self wound.
0: That's lovely.
1: No, I don't think I was self wound. I think that what I, ha- what, what I said needed to be said because I feel like we're giving McLaren too many passes. But anyway, so what? I don't, I don't care about your feelings. I only speak facts.
0: <laughs> I, I only speak
1: anything. what I see. No, but I can see it on your face. So, he, so we got the news yesterday that Audi is joining the sport in 2026 or 2020. Is it 2026? 25. Yeah. So, so non-committal. Anyway, so we have the news that Audi is joining. We also have the news a couple, was it weeks ago, months ago, that Porsche is joining as well. Um, They're both under the same Volkswagen family. And we found out as well that their their Formula 1 programs are not going to be together. They're going to be independent programs. All right? Mm -hmm. And it got me thinking. All right, here, here is a recipe for disaster like I have never seen before. And just bear with me because I don't, I don't like being the bearer of bad news and I hate being a doom and gloomer, but I, I feel like we've seen this happen once before and it's going to happen again. But first I want to preface by saying Formula One has always been a sport for the elite propped up by Um, like minnow teams that really keep the sport alive it was started by minnow teams and yes we've had big entities come and go all throughout the history and every time we have a crescendo the big teams pull out because there's only one successful team every time and it is left on minnow teams to keep the sport alive and realistically it wasn't that long ago that this happened we had we had a was it? Two thousand eight. We had Renault. We had Lotus. We had Ferrari. We had um,
2: Toyota.
1: Toyota. We had BMW. All in the sport. And what happened? The economy crashed. And like clockwork, they pretty much all left except Ferrari. Can
2: I say though? Yeah. Formula One was in a very different place back then. As it a was slight caveat.
1: It was, but who who was the teams that then after that? picked up the spot we had hmm. small teams like caterham we had teams Sauba. like marusha hrt williams was there we had um sauber was there without without a um Probably without sponsor. a um uh, a sponsor and without a um ca- ca- a car company backer and then and then oem ca-
0: huh They're called oems on yeah
1: without They're an oem yeah. i couldn't uh, that's what i was trying the word i was uh, the letters I was trying to think of. And then what we've, what we've seen is for Ferrari slowly, uh, not Ferrari, the Formula one slowly pulled itself back up to realistically, probably the height of its powers now. And I probably wouldn't have said anything if we hadn't heard the news that Andretti wanted to get in the sport. And we had, um, Toto Wolf and other team principals saying they're not going to bring value to the sport. They're, they're really not what Formula one's looking for. And then within, their interest cooling off. We've had two um, OEMs now say we're joining the sport. And that obviously has been working in the background. But all that tells me is that we have a sport now that is looking to be so reliant on actual brand manufacturers to bring in big money to the sport, not thinking about the consequences of, hey, the world's in a pretty sh- on pretty shaky ground at the moment as it is. We, we could be looking at another economic collapse. And the way you're going is you want, by the looks of it, every team on the grid to be a big car company manufacturer. And what happens when four of them or five of them pull out at one time? You're going to have a 10-car grid. And, yeah, you say that might look fatalistic. But realistically, if you think about how teams have come and gone in the not-too-distant past, if you have no teams, no midfield or bottom-field teams... On the grid, three or four cool. teams leaving at one time is is, is is nearly the end of the sport.
2: I think. I think the difference between Andretti and Audi, Audi, Audi and Porsche, is Andretti wanted to bring their own team in, yeah, and, be, and become a, a customer team of Alpine or whatever it was. Yeah, uh, Audi and Porsche. Like yeah, correct. Audi and Porsche, I think, are coming in as engine manufacturers, developing separate. Engines, Audi's joining with Sauber, I believe.
1: No, they're looking to buy Sauber. Yep. So they're going to buy out a majority of Sauber. Okay. And, which um, then makes them Audi. That they they, they stop being Sauber at that point.
2: So well, yeah, but all the infrastructure's in Switzerland. So will they be moving all of that to? Well, they want to Germany? build.
1: They want to build the. They're, they're not. They don't want to. They're building the engines for those cars in Germany. No matter what, yep. well, they they okay. stated well, that.
0: So sorry just to just to interject a little bit if I can. The first thing that needs to be taken into consideration is if the cost cap that is now in Formula 1, you have got a ceiling for these teams or these manufacturers to say this is how much the budget's going to be and it gives them some level of clarity. When we're talking about teams like Renault in the past, teams like Toyota in the past particularly, there was this even Honda in the past as well. You know, they're spending all this money to try to catch up with the boys at the front and they're obviously not able to do that. So um, it was just like an endless cycle of guzzling money, Whereas now it's like, this is how much money you've got to spend. Mm. You can budget for it, you can contain it, etc. cetera. The other thing that needs to be taken into consideration, I think, is that with, with obviously there's always going to be teams pulling out, et cetera, uh, and that's part of the sport. Um, but if we were to think about the WEC, we have seen Porsche and Audi both race in the same championship before. And it was arguably the best racing that that championship had seen in its recent future. Uh, and issue they does, both
1: pulled at the exact same the time. What I'm trying to make the is
0: the issue with the parent company, though, could also could lead to an issue with obviously, if you know, Volt, the Volkswagen Group is in strife, then obviously they're going to pull the pin on both of those, think both of those teams. But I think what actually is beneficial, particularly from the Porsche point of view is that they're only an engine manufacturer. So there's obviously going to be some lo- of development that goes into producing those engines, but it's, you know, who no- who's to say that they're not going to be, you know, they're getting paid by Red Bull as well. Mm-hmm. So it's it's not going to be a completely, um, like it's, there's there's money and revenue coming in from the work that they're doing. So they're, it's it's more sustainable in a way, by the way that they're doing it to, to remain in the sport. So I don't know if it's as, as dire as, like, there's obviously some level of validation to the point that you're making. I think that there has to be some level of caution for these new teams moving in. But if we're talking about a sport where there's, you know, more big teams and more big names in the sport, well, that can't be bad. And if the model is that, if the model that's being used is that they're coming in to take, you know, a 49% share of a Williams or of a Sauber and they're able to elevate the midfield, because there will always be a midfield, but if they're able to elevate that midfield to make it more competitive, taking into consideration now that there is a cost cap, well, then I think it's just going to give us, hopefully, um, more competition. Um, And I don't think that's a bad thing.
1: I don't think think it ever works like that, though.
2: I I, I I guess Toto's uh, and whoever else... This trepidation around andretti also just bringing it back to that is they're probably not after another Haas situation where a team comes in and he's running at the back because andretti indycar is their bread and butter really and they're not even the best team in indycar so they're probably worried that they're going to come into formula one and be kind of yeah, but formula one,
1: formula one is formula one shouldn't strive to be a 20 car model formula one should be twenty cars at its minimum and hopefully twenty-four. So I when agree. you lose teams, you ha- you still have a system. Form- at, at this point in time, if we if Formula One loses one team, it drops to 18 cars. And I don't care what anyone says, when you start getting to 18 cars, it starts well, it, it starts looking pretty mm. pathetic. Right? Well, they um, should yeah, I agree. I wish Andretti a- would come. They in, should but. they should be aiming for 24 cars. Mm. But what the whole Andretti thing is telling me and I think it's it's saying it loud and clear: is we don't res- we don't respect racing heritage as much as we respect dollars. And the reason that I feel like they're saying we respect dollars is because when Audi joins the sport and when Porsche joins the sport, the stock the stock prices of the sport skyrocket because you've got Porsche to... and Audi committing to it. When Andretti joins the sport, probably no one bats an eyelid because realistically, that doesn't convert to dollars on the I, on the I think that's a, on the table. I,
0: I think that's a good point that you make. Uh, it and I think point. it's, I think it's, uh, <laughs> I think that it would, it's short sighted of formula. This is the other thing I, I was thinking about this more in relation to the issues with the actual formula and the ability to make changes, but we are still in a sport where the teams have too much power to influence decisions. Right? This is not post Bernie, though. This is exactly, thing. yeah. True, true, true. We can debate the um, justifications for the decisions that the uh, Liberty Media Group have made. And I think that they're, the recent spate of decisions would probably say that they are kind of acting in their own self interest by the way that they're kind of. Monetizing Formula One, particularly with who they're getting to invest in it and where they're going to race, etc. Um, kind of, like I said this on the chat, they've become the glazes of Formula One by the way that they. They become the used, NFL. You know?
1: They're becoming the new NFL of most. let me
0: so just let me finish. But if they want to build the sport and if they want to kind of continue to let it grow, well then they should be making decisions based on what they think. And I think when you've got teams like Mercedes and teams like Red Bull who can say, we might leave the sport if we don't have the ability to make decisions, well, then they need to draw a line in the say and say, you want to leave because you don't like this decision? Go. This sport will live without you. And let's see them go because they won't. They'll come yeah. back with their tail between their legs and say, sorry, we want to cut of the pie as well. But until there's a de- like a definitive stand by the leadership group of the sport, and you've got someone like Ross Braun, like, it sounds bad, they need to be somewhat totalitarian. This is how the sport's going. This is the vision we have for it. If we want to grow the sport, we will. If they bring the money in, fantastic. Join the championship. And these people that are talking, whether it's Toto, whether it's Christian, these alpha males who are kind of obviously making decisions in the best interest of their team, silence them. Have someone who's got the balls to say, "No, nah, this is what we're doing. This is in the best interest of the sport. We don't care how you feel. If you see, really feel so strongly about it, see you later."
2: The way it was run with Bernie, essentially. Exactly, and there's got to be a little bit of that.
1: Hundred percent, and the only reason I'm, I'm really raising it is because I'm, I'm not—I'm not thinking in worst-case scenarios, but at the it always worst, has to be at the worst-case scenario. Say we have in 2020 eight, right? You have every car in the grid. You have Ferrari, you have, um, Red Bull, you have Mercedes, you have Audi, you have, uh, Alpine, Renault, right? You have McLaren. That's, that's, um, that's your, your grid pretty much. That's, is that 10 teams? Do you say Haas? No. Okay. So say most of your, mo- if most of your teams are manufacturers, there is no way that, say, all those teams are going to have enough enough success consistently to keep, keep investing in a sport. We see teams come and go but all the, the time. New,
0: but the new distribution of wealth should make it easier but for them not to about stay. But
1: it's not about the distribution of wealth no, completely. If, it's also if about if, if you're not having the success, then you can't market that success. But if
0: you're not having the success you and you're not making any money, then... It makes it easier to leave than if you're not having success but you're able to balance the books and continue to in your quest yeah, for but success
1: if, but 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 if you're not if you're not having success making money doesn't do anything because realistically your 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 car doesn't look good on the track which then doesn't make it no, your brand look good as a car un- like listen no one, no one wants no one wants to buy an audi if they come in fifth in f1
0: mate let me be frank they you. want to buy a unless Unless, no, unless you are going into the sport with all this hoopla and fanfare and you fall on your face like Honda did. If you're like Alfa Romeo and you're there or thereabouts and your brand is in Formula One and the car looks sexy and they get a few good results, honestly, I don't think people care. However, if it becomes a story and you've invested all this money like Honda did and they're a huge brand and and they are kind of nowhere well, then that becomes an issue. But if you're in the sport, if you're in the most prestigious racing series in the world and you're able to make some level of um, notoriety for yourself through a few results, nothing like amazing, but a few results and you're there or thereabouts and you're able to balance the books on top of that, particularly with the new system that we're seeing in place in Formula One, when I think it makes it a lot easier, purely based on exposure um, for an OEM to say, you know what? We see value in this. We're still being exposed as the manufacturer. We're in the most prestigious category in the world, which gives us some level of prestige in and of itself. We might just continue with this for a little bit more.
1: I I tend to agree with you, but I feel like I would agree with you more if the brands that we were talking about weren't Porsche and Audi, who have flip-flopped through categories over the last five years, and if they were also sharing a bit more of the... the, um, sort of technical aspects of... Yeah, but they never do. I know, I know they never do. But I'm saying we've seen them never do it twice now in the last 10 years and they don't have either of those programs at the moment. They were in WEC. They went hard and they both folded. They went into Formula E. This is the new thing. They went hard and they both pulled out and now they're coming into F1. I'm seeing a pattern here.
0: Porsche hasn't pulled out of w- Formula E. They are. They I'm pretty
1: sure they are. I think okay. they are. I think next no. year's their last year.
2: I, I have so. a question. Mm. Mm. Talking about let's the, finish the, on this because we're pushing ninety minutes. Talking about the brands, you know, mm. doing well in the sport, and you know, you do well in the sport, you sell more cars. McLaren and Alpine. Who would you, Alpine's doing better. What would you prefer to have?
1: Dude, those Alpine cars, the road cars, they're are pretty. Oh so shit! No, there's I seen. <laughs> I've seen one that's coming out. It looks pretty good, but no, you'd rather I, you, you'd rather McLaren. I just don't think people equate McLaren F1 to McLaren road cars. That's just
0: guys, about, yeah, I think Formula One is so far estranged Removed. from road cars Removed, that yeah. I don't think there's any buy like race on Sunday, buy on Monday mentality. We had, with um, we had a we had
1: a, we had years when Fernando Alonso was winning F1 championships, and all Renault had was a Clio, Clio. And a van. <laughs> And no one gave a fuck.
0: And a
2: McGain.
1: And uh, a yeah. So, like, I don't think that really...
2: Could... I'd, I'd probably buy one of the new McGains, but... Those RSs. Mm. Yeah.
0: I don't know. I think it... I don't know if it's going to be as... I think with the cost cap, I think also with the WEC, like, the way that the regulations have been written to, to kind of limit an arms race, so to speak. I think there's a lot more money that OEMs have now to spend... I think they don't feel the pressure of this, you know, incessant need to continually develop. I mean, we're seeing it a little bit in Formula 1, but even the development that's taken place this year compared to previous years is a lot more calculated, deliberate, Mm. uh, probably not so rapid as well. And I think that's given a lot of these teams that want to join, particularly manufacturers that have a bit of money, probably given them a little bit of... um, I don't know, confidence that if the rules stay the way that they are, if the model stays the same, then they can balance the books. And I think if you're able to, at the end of the day, you know, balance the books, particularly for these large manufacturers, and there's not a massive deficit and they see value in being in the sport. And if you think about the way that Formula One has skyrocketed with the Netflix and with going into America, et cetera, those things are all huge positives from a marketing point of view, then I don't know if it's going to be as bad as, as it could be. And saying that if it does get bad, well, then there's obviously cause to concerns. But I don't know if that's going to be, if it's going to be as dire as as past experiences might forecast.
1: What do you think about this last point that We'll end on this. What do you think about this? Because Audi have given themselves such a big window to get into the sport, we're talking, I think, what three full seasons before they become involved? <laughs> what do you think of the sceptical opinion that this could be a marketing ploy by Audi just to get some limelight and then <laughs> renege on the on these decisions before it happens? Because no. three years is a lifetime. No, like we've seen, te- we've you know never what, seen Joe? teams commit this this early and then not do anything. I about think like they just want to prepare yeah.
0: well
2: and come in strong. Yeah. They're not, not coming
0: in... I don't think they're coming in poorly. I think from a Porsche point of view, Porsche probably feel like they can jump into the sport sooner because they've already got infrastructure in place. Like there's... We spoke about it before. There's already talk that they've been developing a Formula 1 engine in, at times, you know, over the last four or five years. And if they're only developing an engine, they can focus on that... Um, it's probably a little bit easier. I think from an Audi point of view, they haven't really had the the want to join Formula One as much as Porsche in the last five years. So there's probably, they're starting from scratch. Obviously, they've got the technology from the wet car that might still be somewhat relevant, somewhat. Uh, but they probably just need a little bit more time to figure it out. I suppose um, if I,
1: they want to do it from Germany, they've got to re- literally and, build their infrastructure yeah, from and, zero. and
0: people are saying like, it's like you say that, them building the engine in Germany was like a a bad thing, but I think it's probably cheaper for them to do it. Like, no, that I'm not saying it's a bad
1: got... thing. I'm saying that they're using it as a marketing point mm. But it's also they're they've
0: saying... got the infrastructure there already based on based on what they had with the with the WEC team. So it probably from their point of view, it probably makes more sense doing that than going you know back and forth having a team in Switzerland. Oh. Like they can just have an in-house. It's obviously better for the brand that it's you know manufactured in Germany too, and that's probably something that they want but I don't think it's really um, that big of an issue.
1: You know, um, do you know when was the last time a, a car that was manufactured out of England won the championship?
0: Out of England?
1: Mm-hmm. Ferrari. Räikkönen. Mm. Ever since then, all in England. Renault.
0: That's because all the infrastructure Red Bull,
1: is in England. Red Bull. Yeah, I'm just saying it's not a good look.
0: When, when nine out of the ten teams are based in England, it's pretty good odds.
1: Eight out of ten, but there's a reason Eight for that. Eight out of
0: ten. Yeah, because well, the infrastructure's there. Yeah, it's cheaper to just buy than set up.
1: Go buy Aston Martin. I'm sure Stroll's looking for to make a quick quick buck. Anyway. I think we'll leave it there, boys. I think so. Cop chat. Sorry so, about talk about the negativity today, guys.
0: No, I loved it. I I'm, loved not it. Ne-
1: I'm not usually a negative Nancy, bring but bring the
0: beef. So, I think we'll we'll leave it there, lads. Um, next, next week again. is
1: at 50 so we have to come yeah. with our. With our party faces,
0: half century boys, which is which is really great. Oh, I'm not going to be here, <laughs> aren't you? No. Where are you? Perisher. Oh, good on you. Get out of there. Get out there.
1: We'll have to bring no. We'll, 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 what's it called? We'll bring we'll, we'll, Mickey back we'll for, for the fiftieth. We'll wait for Harry, man. We have to wait.
0: He's not going to be here. You
1: yeah, will have to wait a week
0: to do the fiftieth. Oh, I'll be back on Tuesday. Oh, we could do it on Tuesday, I guess.
1: We'll do it on Tuesday. We can't do it without Harry. Oh, I love
0: All, right. It. All right. All that's, right. All right. That's, we'll that's leave it messed there. up. So again, again, for anyone who's made it through 90 minutes of the pod and is still listening, <laughs> we appreciate it. Thank you so much. We hope you've enjoyed it. Again, we're trying to um, get a few more questions out on the socials and we've seen a bit of feedback on that this week, which is great to see. Please keep engaging with us on the socials, liking, sharing anything you can do to spread the word as well um, is greatly appreciated and we'll see you next week after the dutch grand prix so thanks so much for your time have a great week Um, and boys been a pleasure thanks mate thanks guys thanks boys.